And so we end this science show with a final example of the energy future, this time from Caltech, where Professor Jonas Peters is favouring a very common chemical as an alternative to oil and benzene. You know it well. The idea that I'm most sort of obsessively passionate about is the idea of taking nitrogen gas from the atmosphere. So nitrogen makes up 78% of the air we breathe. It's the most available molecule in the atmosphere of Earth. And using sunlight to push hydrogen atoms from water, which is the most available molecule on the surface of Earth, to generate the molecule we know as ammonia. And so if you can use the energy of the sun to push hydrogen atoms from water over to nitrogen to make ammonia, you have made a storable chemical fuel from sunlight that can be used both as fertilizer and as a fuel that when combusted primarily only liberates nitrogen and water back, so a no carbon fuel. So that is one of the most compelling ideas I think that's out there because these are the molecules that are so available to us. Well, of course they use ammonia to carry Hydrogen, which is you know, the fuel we all love, the potential of any the hubs all over Australia like that. But the problem to some extent is getting the hydrogen out of the ammonia. So isn't there a penalty with energy getting what you want out of the ammonia later on? Yeah, so you can use ammonia as a hydrogen storage molecule, and then you have to crack it at elevated temperature. And that's a whole field unto itself. Can you make catalysts that'll let you more easily crack ammonia to regenerate hydrogen. I'm not thinking of ammonia just as a hydrogen storage vessel. You can use a fuel cell to oxidize ammonia back to electricity and protons, just like a hydrogen fuel cell or a methanol fuel cell. You can also put ammonia in a combustion engine and you can just combust it. You have to add a little bit of hydrogen or a liquid hydrocarbon to hit the flash point, but ammonia is a great fuel. It has half the energy density of gasoline and you can drive a, a car or a bus, you can power a ship on ammonia. And so the real trick is to figure out how to make ammonia by a process that's not so energy intensive like the ones we use today. So we use the Haber-Bosch process to make ammonia primarily for fertilizer. That is way too much energy, particularly because you have to strip hydrogen out of methane via steam reforming to get the hydrogen that you then combine with nitrogen to make the ammonia. What chemists like myself are trying to do are trying to look to nature, which does this using enzymes within bacteria to figure out the secrets of bond making and breaking events and then to try to recapitulate this in a synthetic scheme. And there's been a lot of progress on this. I mean, it's really an exciting area. Here on campus? On this campus, especially here at Caltech, but not just at Caltech. There are fantastic scientists that I know of in Australia that are working on this, fantastic scientists in Europe that are doing this all around the United States, but we have some pretty good ones as well. <laughs> are there different ways of doing it? Because you see, the, the point about making ammonia, many of us make the various processes in the body, ammonia all the time, and many households spend a lot of effort trying to get rid of it. But is there one of those biological processes we could copy? Right, so there are enzymes called nitrogenases that under ambient temperature and pressure can absorb nitrogen from the atmosphere and make ammonia. And in fact, the crystal structure, the actual molecular structure of this enzyme 
was solved about 30 years ago by my colleague here at Caltech, Doug Reese. So we have some ideas about how nature does this, but we don't know exactly how nature does this. And this is a whole field of study unto itself. And then you have chemists like me who are trying to recapitulate some ideas we have about how nature does it, and then not get bothered by all the details. That gives us inspiration. And then we go in the lab and we try to figure out how to create this ourselves. And we've had significant success. So what we're trying to do, imagine you've got sunlight and you can turn that sunlight into photochemical energy. So you capture that by solar photovoltaics. That gives you electrical currency and you can use that to drive an electrode that would allow you to combine nitrogen with protons and electrons. So imagine water is carrying protons and electrons. And if you can push those protons and electrons from water over to nitrogen to make ammonia via a renewably sourced process using an electrode, you actually can make ammonia in a very efficient way, potentially, that then you could use as a fuel and as a fertilizer. At present, there's no way to do that. Every way we make ammonia right now, unless we're using renewably sourced energy, is costing you more energy to put in than you could get out by combustion. So we've got to solve that. Today, if you've got ammonia, can you routinely, easily use it as a fuel source, as you describe, or is that a challenge as well? Yeah, so that's a great question. So how do we handle ammonia and can we use it for combustion? It doesn't take too much to modify an internal combustion engine to allow you to drive it on ammonia mixed with you know, a lower flashpoint fuel like hydrogen or maybe kerosene or what have you. So you'll have to spike it under a typical internal combustion engine. But the answer to that is yes. And the marine shipping industry is already looking at using ammonia instead of some of its very polluting diesel sludge as a strategy. So the great thing about ammonia is that we already ship it on massive scales all around the world. We make it on a huge scale, 200 million metric tons per year on planet Earth annually. And we already have pipelines in the United States. We make ammonia in the Gulf of Mexico. There are ammonia pipelines that take that ammonia up to Iowa, just like gas pipelines or oil pipelines. Historically, there have been pipelines going from Russia into Europe. I'm not sure what the status of those is sadly at present. But we know how to manage ammonia on a massive scale. So there's a lot of upside. I even think we know how to handle it from a toxicity perspective. But where there would be a worry is if you have leakage. So if you're using a fuel on a massive scale globally, you always have some spillage, you have some leakage. And then the question is how much ammonia can you leak before you've undone all the hard work that you meant to do? Because ammonia then would be a contributor as a greenhouse gas. That's where we're gonna have to do some careful analysis as to the balance of all that. But I think it has roles to play and as you know, relative to hydrogen, which you've got to compress to very high pressure so that you've got enough power density in your vehicle for a transport vehicle. Ammonia is half the energy density of gasoline at a pretty modest pressure. So it liquefies very easily. It has a low vapor pressure. So it's actually a wonderful molecule. And I, I just keep coming back to, there's no cheaper molecules on planet Earth globally than water and nitrogen from the atmosphere. Even if you think about doing photosynthesis, you still got to pull the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And it's only about 420 parts per million. That's a lot of energy you got to take to pull that back out. Nitrogen is already concentrated for us. It's about 80%. And when you've put it into your Lamborghini or your Model T Ford, what comes out the other end? CO2? No CO2. So that's the beauty of it. The two molecules that come out that I like to quote most are nitrogen and water. So you took sunlight 
made ammonia, and when you combust it, you get back nitrogen and water. It sounds beautiful. You also do make some nitrogen oxide. Another greenhouse gas. Yeah, right. So there's no question if you're going to set up a combustion process on it, then you'd have to catalytically convert those nitrogen oxides. We do have catalytic converters that do that. So I, I don't think that's a game stopper at all. And I think there's a lot of research in ammonia combustion to make that go even more cleanly, just like we do with a lot of other fuels. So that doesn't strike me as a showstopper. And I think that, like everything, we're going to need a menu of options, and ammonia certainly should be one of them. And when do you say Eureka? When do you think may be adapted on an industrial scale, perhaps? When do you see that happening? The short answer to the question is it's already happening. So you can take the known technologies by which we make ammonia, which are called Haber-Bosch reactors, and you can use renewably sourced energy to derive the hydrogen through electrolyzers that generate hydrogen from water. And you can already use renewably sourced energy to combine that hydrogen with nitrogen to make ammonia. And there are already energy companies investing in making what they call green or blue ammonia by such a process. So that's happening right now. There are very large scale investments in Australia, South Africa to do that. So I see this happening already. The way we do it in my lab, I wouldn't buy stock just yet. So we're trying to solve this by a new technology where we use electrochemical energy and photoelectrochemical energy to do this. So that instead of using the high temperature and pressure that the Haber-Bosch reactor uses, we're using photochemical energy and low temperature, low pressure, where we would try to make a very efficient process so that you could do this more sustainably and in a more distributed fashion where you don't need the fancy kit to do Haber-Bosch chemistry. And so we're working on what I would say is a pretty hard nut to crack in terms of the nitrogen to ammonia problem. So I do think that the Haber-Bosch reactors that are renewably sourced will come online within the next 10 years. I think that's already beginning to happen. Professor Jenis Peters at Caltech. Yet another answer to the big energy questions. Next week in the Science Show, can time go backwards in biological systems? How does poetry link to the cosmos? And how animals may get stressed? Production by Shelby Trainer. I'm Robin Williams. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.